Hello, my name's Doug Friesen. I'm one of the pastors here at White Ridge Baptist Church. I just have to say it's interesting how God works in our thought life similarly. Uh, Kevin was saying, thinking about Pastor Elf, and this whole week, Pastor Elf has been on my mind. And uh, I have a similar memory, seeing Elf in the hospital and talking about his world getting smaller, but his view of God getting larger. And he said a lot of that was because he was spending more and more time just in the book of Psalms and how blessed he was in just having his emotions stirred by God through those scriptures. And today, I have the privilege of sharing with you a few psalms that have impacted me throughout 2020. And I hope these truths will be a blessing to you as well. Um, Christmas, I'm sure, for all of us has been quite unique. It's been different. Uh, I've been praying for everybody that we would have a rest-filled and meaningful Christmas, even though we've been separated probably from our loved ones in different ways, that we could still still connect with them, but most importantly, that we could be intentionally connecting with God and that we could appreciate him in a very deep and meaningful way. And that something would surprise us over Christmas and that would be as a a beautiful memory for 2020. I have to tell you what one of the surprises for me this year was. Uh, Last week, a friend drove to my door and he left a gift for me that he said his wife made for me. And I said, well, you know what, I'm not going to open it until Christmas Eve because I want something to open then. And I've been a bad boy this year. I didn't know how many gifts I'd get. So (laughs) she gave me a gift. I had it by my fireplace for about a week. And I opened it up on Christmas Eve after watching our service online. And I was just astounded at how beautiful it was because this is a picture she's painted for me that is of me and a friend on the Icefield Parkway that's between Banff and Jasper. And that was a trip that I was uh, privileged to take at the end of August before restrictions got stronger again. And so this is a copy or is a, a painting of this picture, which I had told her is probably my favorite one of 2020 because it combines a few of my deep loves. And the first is just joy with God as I'm riding my motorcycle, as I'm traveling. Uh, awe of God as I'm in his creation, especially in the mountains, and experiencing the love of God while I'm with a close friend. And that picture uh, summarizes many of those passions for me. And so this picture is uh, very precious to me. It's a really good drawing. It's actually a little bit too realistic. She could have, you know, maybe given me a bit more hair, but that's her choice. (laughs) It's very good. And this is going to go up into my house. I have a nice place where I'm going to put it. Uh, You know, friendships are are hugely important. God has created us for relationship. He's created us for friendship. One of my favorite portions of scripture is just before Jesus goes to the cross, he gets his friends together and he says, I no longer call you servants or slaves. I call you my friends. This is John 15, verse 15. It's a beautiful passage. And Scripture tells us actually a lot about friendship. You might not just find a paragraph on it, but as you look through Scripture, you see the importance of relationships, the importance of friendship. And over the last two, three years, I've been going through Scripture and just making note of all the qualities that I see that exemplify Christian friendship, Christ-honoring friendship, because what does it mean to be a friend in Christ? And um, I, I, just this last week, I finished putting together a document that shows the book of the Bible that these qualities come from. It's about six pages long, 
And I think my gift to you this Christmas will be early in the new year when it's completely done. I'll have it ready to send to you as a document that you can look through and hopefully just praise God for some of the beauty of friendship that you're experiencing and also to maybe highlight some longing you have for your friendships to still mature. I I just want to read a few examples of what these qualities are. So Christ-honoring friendships can have these types of qualities. Sharing uh, Sharing what God has done for our sake. Sticking with each other in lifelong friendship. Encouraging each other in your faith in God. Willing to express loving rebuke. Desiring for God to be glorified through your friend's life. Loving one another as Christ has loved you. Mutually encouraging one another's faith. Lovingly sharing the gospel and your own life with them. Committing to walking in light together to experience the complete joy of fellowship with God and each other. And the last one I'll mention today is encouraging your friend to not imitate what is evil, but to imitate what is good. Christian friendship needs to be focused on the life that we have in Christ and the beautiful relationship we have with our Heavenly Father, specifically through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our life. John 15, 15 would be impoverished if all you remember is, I have called you friends. What Christ says after that is, I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father I have given to you. And again, that's the flow of life. We receive and we give. And that's the beauty of Christ-honoring friendship. And I hope that we all enter into that more and more. Uh, One of my favorite small little hints of the the kindness and graciousness and welcomingness of Jesus is John 1, 38 to 39. There's two disciples, and they come to him, and they say, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he says to them, come and see. And the Bible just says that they went to his place, and they spent the day with him. And I think, wow, what a beautiful picture of a developing friendship. And I know that with Christ, the friendship was much more than getting to where he lived or even meeting the people he was with. It was coming into his life. And that's the reality that we need to remember is that Christian friendship is not primarily about come and see where I live or what I do, but it's come and see how I live. Come and live in Christ with me. That's what Christian friendship is at its core. And I hope that's what we as a church really intentionally desire to grow in in 2021 and through the rest of our life here on earth. If you were to come into my home, you would see that between my two main windows, I have a fireplace and a picture, the picture that I have here. And this is probably my most precious possession just because of the, the meaning it has to me, the way I got it, and, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about this picture today and how it relates to a psalm as well. Uh, first of all, I'll just tell you how I got it. Um, there was a place called Ming, I think it was called Ming Dynasty on Chevrier. It was like a knick-knack store. You never, there's so much stuff in there. And I needed a piece of furniture for my apartment. So I went and my parents said, why don't you go check it out? They probably have something. And I went and I actually did find something and as I went to go uh, pay for it, uh, I remember looking up because it had these high walls, like really open ceilings and there was pictures probably about 10, 12 feet up, kind of the perimeter of the room. And I was looking at them and up to that point I hadn't bought any art or anything and, and 
I saw this one and it just grabbed me. And like, I've been able to be in lots of different museums and see really beautiful works of art, but nothing grabbed me like this. I saw it and I was like, that's just beautiful. And so I asked the lady, I said, is there any way you could take that picture down so I could get a better look at it? And she said, sure, I can do that for you. And so she gets the stick and she pulls it down and, and she looks at the back and she goes, oh, if you want it, you're in luck, it's on sale. And I said, you're speaking my love language. This is wonderful. And so I looked at it, I decided, you know what, I, I really want this piece of art for my house. And so uh, I went, I said, please, uh, I'll, I'll buy it. And as we were doing the transaction, I said, is there any way that this picture might have a name? Is the, the artist, did they sign it or anything on the back? And she looked and she goes, oh, no, I'm sorry. There's, there's no uh, name on the back. And I said, oh, that's okay. I was just hoping there might be. And then she says, oh, but you know what? We have a binder where all the, you know, the purchases we've made are in. I'll go take a look there. And she did. She came back. She opened it up and she said, this is the name of the picture. And when she told me, like, it was just like my mouth dropped. And I'm going to tell you about that a little bit later. But it was just a very special moment. And I told her right then why it was precious to me. And so I look forward to telling you about that. But for now, let's focus on Psalm 121, which Janelle and Sheldon read for us. Uh, the reason this psalm was important to me this year is this was my sabbatical year. And many of you will remember that uh, I more or less had three months planned overseas, crossing the ocean on a cruise line, 13 days crossing the ocean, about six weeks traveling Spain by backpack, and then teaching in Romania. And uh, so at the beginning of this journey, uh, on the, the last day that I was on the cruise ship was March 13th and uh, the ship is disembarking, people are leaving, I'm the last one to go so I went up to the kind of the top floor where the restaurant is and I'm looking out over Barcelona and they have these hills, these mountains and on top of one right close where the ship was there was this fortress and I was just looking at it and, and to be honest, I had a little bit of nervousness in me. I had like two and a half months in front of me by myself, a lot of unknowns. It was primarily excitement, but I remember looking at the fortress and just thinking, Lord, thank you for this picture, because I will remember that you are my fortress. You are my safe place. You are the place that I need to be in, the person I need to abide with, so I get the right vantage point of every situation I'm in. Lord, thank you so much for... Uh, this picture and thank you for this time with you and your word before I start this day. And so I open up my Bible to have my, my private time with God and I start reading this psalm. And the first thing it says in the translation in the version I'm reading, it says, Psalm 121, a pilgrim song. And I just stop and I smile and go, God, that's exactly what I need. I need a pilgrim song to, to just kind of be in my thought life for the whole time that I'm traveling by backpack, meeting people. And then I read these words. I'm not going to read all the song, but some of the main things. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No, my strength comes from God, who made the heaven and the earth and the mountains. God, God's your guardian right at your side to protect you. God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. He guards you when you leave and when you return. He guards you now and he guards you always. And I read that and those words were in my heart and the next 24 hours were probably the most chaotic of my life. <laughs> Everything started to 
change and coronavirus was changing everything and from the two and a half months I had left, within 24 hours, just shy of that, everything changed in, in uh, Spain. I ended up being in Paris. I needed ending up home. Within 24 hours, I was ready to be coming home. And in all those changes and all those uncertainties, God had already planted this truth in my heart that he's my guardian, that he's my safe place, that he's always with me. And that's true for every one of us. And uh, the, so this idea of it just being a pilgrim song and that he's always with me, beside me, within me. But the verse I really want to highlight is just verse one. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No, my strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and the mountains. You know, in my good times, that's a true statement of me. I'd say, yeah, when I really need strength, I turn to God, but Lord, there are so many times when I realize I'm living in my own strength, and I know it. I know it by the time it's done, because I'm worn out, I'm tired, I'm frustrated, I'm confused. Lord, help that not to happen all the time. Help me to live in your strength rather than my own. I don't know if you ever find that, that you live in your strength and finally you might hit rock bottom and you say, God, I need your help. And God so graciously says to me quite regularly, Doug, don't go that far down. <laughs> Reach out to me early on and live in my strength. Two questions I, I have for myself quite regularly is where do I habitually find my strength? When I feel weak, when I feel discouraged, what do I turn to to find strength? I hope my answer is who do I turn to? and that it's God. That's not always true, but I hope more and more that is true of me. And the other thing is, how do I know when I'm no longer using God's strength? That might seem like a strange question to ask, but there's these times where we're, we're doing things normal in the strength that God has naturally given us, and then all of a sudden we cross the line and we're trying to persevere, do something good, but it's not in, anymore in wise strength. We're, maybe it's coming out of our own insecurity, our own pride, our own pressures. For example, preparing for a message like today. Friday's my day off and I, I know that I, there's work to be done. It'd be easy to not take that day of rest, that Sabbath rest, which is for me, and to say, I need to work on this. It will make Saturday lighter. Or you say, no, Lord, you've told me to have a time every week where I say, I intentionally will trust you, God, to say, you are God and I am not. Everything that you've given me to do, you will give me the strength to do it in your time, your way. I am not going to do that now. I'm going to trust and rest in you. So I think it's a wise question. It's a question that I'm learning more and more is, is this of God's strength or is it my strength? Even if it's trying to do something good, like preparing a sermon. But do I know when God says rest? And do I know when God says persevere and move on? I hope those are questions that will be helpful for you as well. I want to share with you a few verses from another psalm, Psalm 42, 1 to 2, and 5 to 8. Uh, you'll recognize these words right away. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will praise him, my Savior and my God. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, 
a prayer to the God of my life. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I want to start off by just showing you a picture of a a little fawn. Uh, This is precious to me. I took this last year. I was on my kayak going down the Seine River. I am not more than eight feet away from this little fawn sitting by the water underneath the tree at perfect rest, perfect peace. I'm assuming knowing that his parents are doing what they need to do for him. I think, Lord, I want to rest like that in you. Uh, Kevin highlighted Psalm uh, 123 before, right? By, uh, be guided by streams. I want to be still by, st- uh, I want to be still by water and just be at peace with you. Uh, but that isn't always the case. And sometimes there's anxiousness. And, and this Psalm, when it talks about panting, um, David, when he talks about desiring God, it comes from a place of realizing that I've been caught in sin and now I'm realizing I really desire you. But this psalm is talking about a person who is separated from Jerusalem, separated from the temple. And he's saying, when can I be with you again? I'm physically separated, distance with you. When can I be with you again? And that's the, the core of his heart. And for us, um, we don't have that same issue. We don't have that same issue of having distance between us and God because of location geographically. We have the Holy Spirit within us. And so sometimes I feel distance from God because of personal sin, and I need to confess that. And, and, but other times the sin is a little bit more subtle, and the sin is that I've just been ignoring God. I haven't been spending time with him. I haven't been abiding with him. And then my heart starts going, when can I meet with him? And the answer is right now. You have the Holy Spirit in you, Doug. You can be with him right now. You can enjoy his presence. And so one of the things that I want in my life is to be more and more aware of the presence of God throughout the day not just at specific times, but in order for me to grow in my awareness of of God all throughout the day, I do need certain things in my life that train my heart to think about him. And for me, without going into detail, I have at least three times every day that I intentionally say, Lord, this is my private time with you. And I say private time because it doesn't need to be silent. It can be whatever you want to do. Maybe you're playing an instrument. Maybe you're going for a walk. But I have three times a day, typically, once in the morning, once during the day, and once at night just before bed. And I try to carve out half an hour to 45 minutes for myself to say, Lord, this is our time together. And in this time, I want my heart set on you. And then I want that thought life to continue throughout the day. And I want to grow in that more and more, that I learn to abide with you in the joy of your presence. And uh, so for me, one of the things that's hugely important is to start every day in the Word of God. And, and most regularly, I start by going upstairs, I go on my kitchen counter, I pull down my blind, and I start reading my Bible. And I usually see my neighbors walk by, and I start praying for them, I think about them. And, but I open up the blind this day, this was just a few, well this was in, I guess, October. I open it up and I was overwhelmed by the beauty of that tree. I just sat and I worshipped God for quite a while, just looking at the beauty of the tree in its fall glory. And five days later, I come up and I pull the blind down and this is what I see. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that sure changed real quick. And Matt, isn't that the way it is even with our emotions? We can go from highs to lows so quickly. 
And I know that this year has been that for us, especially with having to relate with COVID. And that uh, we deal with disappointment. The phrase that has been on my heart really since that day on March 13th, uh, that when everything started to fall apart, was the truth of, I'm disappointed, but I'm not discouraged, and I'm definitely not disgruntled. That's been the truth that I've been contemplating. But you know what? As we were moving into the fall, there were times where I'd have to say, Lord, that's, that's not exactly true right now. That's not true today. I'm feeling a little discouraged, God. I'm feeling a little disgruntled, God. Hmm. And God wants us to bring those things to him. How we feel, what we're thinking about, And he says, I understand, but start thinking about me again. Doug, I'm gonna help you through this circumstance. I'm gonna make you stronger in this circumstance because you're gonna grow closer to me. You're gonna rely on me more. You're gonna learn to appreciate me more if you keep your sights on me. And then I have to say, oh Lord, forgive me because I so easily get overwhelmed. It's so easy to get overwhelmed when you look at the circumstances around you and you forget about the God who's sovereign over everything and has our good in his heart and the love for lost people in his heart. And he has a purpose for us in every situation. And whatever comfort that we receive in our discouraged times or even our disgruntled times is something that we eventually will be able to give to others. But More and more, I just say, Lord, it's fine being disappointed, but I don't want to get into being discouraged and disgruntled. But sometimes that's so hard. And this psalm goes on, verse 5 and 11 says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. You know, I was blessed this last week. I was looking through old files on my computer. These, were so old, these files were so old, Word couldn't even open them. I had to find some old programs to open it. And I found a poem. I don't know when I wrote it. It must have been about 1992. And I don't remember the exact context, but I remember it was one of those times where I was overwhelmed. And, and God just put on my heart, Doug, it's because you're overwhelmed by the wrong things. And I sat down and I wrote this poem and I'm going to share it with you. I've never read this out loud, so I hope it will flow properly. It doesn't rhyme. It's not that kind of a poem. (laughs) But I hope that this will be meaningful to you as well. I called it Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. That sums it up quite well. Quickly, without warning, you break down my guard and I'm naked before you. Broken, but at peace as tears begin to freely flow. I think about your presence and how I so easily forget that you were with me, not to judge or to condemn, but to forgive and free me from my bondage that I thought would bring me life. How can you be so patient? Why do you consistently pursue me? How can you not get discouraged that I take so long to change? I'm overwhelmed with the grace I don't deserve, with love that hits me to the core of who I am and yet is so easily forgotten, taken for granted, ignored, even scorned at times. Lord, help me to remember the price that you paid for me, the pain you endured so that I might be set free to be captured by you. 
held in place by all the qualities that make you God. All-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, creator of all things. Not wanting to leave because of your gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, patience, peace, joy, your love. Because of who you are and who I long to be. Praise God that I am convinced that you, having started your good work in me, will carry it on to completion until the day Christ returns and I see him face to face. And I am eternally transformed into your likeness and forevermore overwhelmed. Lord, forgive me for allowing my circumstances to overwhelm me and not you to overwhelm me. I have a few questions for you in this regard. What tends to overwhelm you? How can you discipline yourself to focus on God during those times instead? And, and I can tell you this from just personal experience and I think general wisdom. If you wait until you get into the hard time to seek for a solution, it's not that it's too late, but it's not the wisest approach. The wisest approach is to be prepared ahead of time. So here's a question. How are you preparing your heart for seasons of hardship? What is the truth that you are instilling in your mind and asking God to bring into your heart so that it's ready when you need it? And it's ready for you to share when someone else needs to hear that. Those words of comfort and love of God through your mouth, through your actions, through your grace, through your hug, whatever it is, how are you being prepared? Psalm 42 verse 8 is right after uh, this, tar this part about being discouraged. It says, By day the Lord directs his love at night. His song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. What a beautiful phrase. A prayer to the God of my life. More or less saying, Lord, I need you. I need you throughout the day I need to see your love directed towards me. I know that it's being done, but I might not be receiving it, Lord. I'm not always a good receptacle. Will you help me to recognize you? To realize the depth of your love that you display throughout the day that I often ignore. And I don't do it intentionally. I, I don't think I do it maliciously, but I do it. I just ignore Help me, Lord, to recognize this love that you've directed towards me so I can respond to you appropriately and the situations I face appropriately. And, and Lord, at night when my mind would go crazy because it's finally kind of quiet and I don't have a place to hide, it's not the TV or music or anything, it's just quiet and my mind's going nuts, put a song in my heart, Lord, that directs me towards you. Would you do that for me, Lord? I know you will. That's the prayer, and you're the God of my life. I don't remember exactly when it happened, but I remember reading these verses. It must have been very close to the time that I wrote that poem, Overwhelmed. And I looked at these words, and a song came into my heart. And it comes into my mind all the time. It's nothing fancy, but this is what it is. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me. 
a prayer to the God of my life. Put your hope in God, for I will praise him, my Savior and my God. A prayer to the God of my life. Put your hope in God, for I will praise him, my Savior and my God. Put your hope in God, for I will praise him, my Savior and my God. And I don't have the rest of it. That's all he gave me. But that, I can't tell you how often since that lyric came into my heart, how often that's what happens in the middle of the night or when I'm walking and I'm overwhelmed. God desires for you to have his truth in your mind so he can bring it to your heart so that you know without a doubt that God guards you, he loves you, he cares for you, and that your life is meant to be in him. We talk about inviting God into our life, but the deeper truth is that God invites us into his. Please understand that. That's what I have to remind myself. It's not like, Lord, please come into my life and be a part of what I do. It's no, Lord, I want to enter into your life. I want your Holy Spirit to work in and through me, to exude through me, to be the fragrance of Christ to everyone I meet. Lord, I want life in you because anything else I choose is death, even though at times I think it's life. And then eventually I feel overwhelmed because I've gone my own way too long. Forgive me for that, Father. I love the fact that after reading verse 8, verse 11 goes back to saying, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Our emotions go up and down so, so quickly. And God knows that. And he says, I want to be the foundation of what you feel. It's not happening yet, Doug. Your emotions lead you in so many different ways. But as you focus on me, your emotions will eventually be more reliable to help you understand what my heart is for you in this situation and for others. Well, I want to share with you uh, one other psalm as well. Uh, this is Psalm 16, verses 1 and 2 and verse 11. It says, keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. Do you see a theme coming through <laughs> these? I need refuge, I need safety. Keep me safe, O God. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. You have made known to me the path of life. You have filled me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I said to the Lord, you are my God. Apart from you, I have no good thing. You know, I can say I believe that because I read it, it's in the Bible and it's true. But I can tell you when I was 18 or 19, that still wasn't something that I could say I completely believe. I think like Eve, I thought that there was things that God was holding out on me. That there were ways for me to find goodness that God didn't want to give me at least pleasures. I didn't completely believe that there was no goodness apart from God. And because of that, I held back part of myself from him. And I said, Lord, I think there's stuff that you're holding out 
There's things I want to do that you say I shouldn't do, and I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be fun. I think they will bring me life. November 21st, 1990, probably about two in the morning, I had a dream that changed my life, and I won't go into the details of it, except that God made it very clear, Doug, with me, it's either all or nothing. You give me all of yourself, or you've really given me nothing. You can't hold out. And probably for the, it was the first time in my life, I think I understood what being a disciple of Christ was. It was to recognize that everything I thought that I could do on my own was worthless, was leading me down a wrong path. And the only thing of worth was learning to abide with my Savior. Learning what life is all about in him. And you know, I, I remember that day very vividly. It changed my life. I remember I was in a Bible school at that time, and the school was wonderful for me as well, but it was God did something unique that day. And um, one of the things he did was help me recognize that I took him for granted. Uh, I was deceiving myself about my walk with him and that I didn't know him nearly as well as I claimed to or thought I did because I was familiar with stories in this good book. And, and out of a beautiful fear of God came the foundation of an understanding of the love of God. And it started a practice where it says, every day, Lord, I want to spend time in your word, not to just study it for answers as a time for that, but again, I want to just be with you I want to open up your word and say, Holy Spirit, right now, I have no goal except to meet with my Father and to know who you are and to know who I am because of you. That has been the bread and butter of my life. I would give up any other educational experience, but I would never give up time with God and his word. Because that frames everything else. It's the filter for the rest of the day when you have his word. And it's not just his, it's not like the Bible. It's like him speaking words of truth through his Holy Spirit into your mind and into your heart so that you can recognize him properly throughout the day. And, uh, but anyways, that day, this is November 21st, 1990. I wrote this poem. Lord, forgive me for my sins, for all the feelings I have within. Forgive me for my jealous pride, for all those sins I know you died. Forgive me when I just don't pray or when I tell you to go away. Forgive me for not trusting you or doing the things I ought not to do. So many times I've gone astray, but by my side you always stay. So many times I forget you're there or that you're the one who really cares. I thank you for your undying grace, and I long for the day to see your face. By your side, I want to be, to love you for all eternity. So let's go back to this picture. See this picture? My heart, for whatever reason, is just drawn to it. And I asked the lady, is there a name for this picture? And she looks, nope. And again, she goes to the binder, she opens up the binder, she looks at me and she goes, there is a name. 
It's by your side. I can't tell you how meaningful that was to me. My part is by your side I want to be, to love you for all eternity. And God's response to me, how I interpret it was, I'm by your side. The reality is that we walk in step with God and the Holy Spirit. We're never meant to take the lead. We're, never, we're, we're the people who follow. We're the people who say, Lord, I want to learn what it is to keep in step with your Spirit. And for me, the picture of journeying, walking, pilgrimage is just the core of what I believe a relationship with God is and what a relationship with each other is meant to be. A journey together, opening our lives up to each other, sharing what God has done for us with them and receiving that from others as well. Recognizing that everything in life that is good has its origin in God. And maybe the people who are experiencing the good don't recognize that yet, but I could help point them to the person who's so good to them. So that they could see that God's grace showers over them, just so that they might know that he exists. So this picture hangs in my house, and every time I, I go up, on the main floor, I just see it and I say, Lord, thank you for being by my side. Help me, Lord, to keep in step with you and to enjoy your presence. Verse 11 of this same psalm has also been key in my life. It says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Again, I needed to be convinced of this without a doubt for me to want to keep trusting God and to say, Lord, I, I, I want to find my life in you. I'm tired of trying to find life on my own. I want to be on that path of life with you. I want to understand, not just in my head, but in my heart, that eternal life is Jesus Christ. Eternal life is not just a place or an experience I will have later on, someday, after I take my last breath. Eternal life is right now. It is the taste of you, the taste of knowing that God is good. Lord, I want that today. And I want it more fully than I had it yesterday. And I know the thing that hinders my receiving is me. So help me, Lord, to receive you better to recognize you, respond to you, to appreciate you, to not be overwhelmed by the things of this world or the things that so easy take over my heart. May you be the one that has that spot in my life. When you see path of life, maybe you've already pieced it in your mind, but when you hear of our ministry and church and we say life path discipleships, that's where it comes from. We don't need just programs. or We want to help each other learn to experience life in the Holy Spirit, which is Christ's Holy Spirit, which is the Father's Holy Spirit. There's this beautiful trinity that we've been invited to have a relationship with, in, together, as one. And we've just begun to experience that. And we have a unity in the Holy Spirit that is more beautiful than we can possibly imagine. 
And we need to do everything we can, the Bible says, to maintain that unity. We don't create it. We need to maintain it. We need to experience it. We need to appreciate it, enjoy it. We need to do everything we can to get rid of anything that distracts us from the unity and the love that God has for us to have in him together. And not just for our own good, but really for the sake of a world that needs to know who Jesus is. And how will they know who he is if we do not share? How will they know that he exists if they can't see him among us? By the way we live, by the way we talk, by the fruit of the Holy Spirit, by what the Bible calls the fragrance of Christ. Man, we have a beautiful future in front of us if only we keep our sights on God together. And I pray in 2021, that's something that we learn to do more and more of. Each of us individually have choices to make about how I will abide with Christ in my day. But we need to start thinking about how we're going to do that together. How can our friendship help us to appreciate God more? How can our friendship help us to live in the Spirit more? How can our friendship help the world know that God exists? God says, seek his kingdom and he will take care of everything else. I want to know that my prayer life becomes more and more about the things that concern God. The people that he's put in my life to love that right now I might hardly recognize. I rub shoulders with them all the time, but I don't think about them too much. And God says, Doug, don't you dare underestimate how much I love that person. And I want to be more aware of the needs of others because we talk with one another. And I start caring for your neighbors. I start caring for your friends. Evangelism isn't just one-on-one. It's us. Evangelism is sharing what God has given us with others. We need to think of ways to create spaces where we can invite people to experience Christ among us. So if God puts something on your heart to do with your friends, move towards that. Say, Lord, we don't know the answer. It might even scare us a little bit. We're not exactly sure what's going to come of it. It seems a little risky, and God says, yeah, that's usually the way I lead. I want you to learn to trust me. I want you to learn that I will do things that are magnificently beyond what you can possibly imagine if only you take a step of trust. And do it together. Maybe that will be easier for you, Doug. Why don't you walk with a few friends? Why do you walk on your own so often? I pray that the words that we are a church family go more and more from here to here in 2021 and for every year that we have together. I pray that we see this church family grow because through us, someone else will get a taste of the Holy Spirit and say, I need Christ. I'm tired of living life on my own. I want to follow someone different than myself. I want to follow the person who says he's eternal life. I need to follow you because you know him. I don't know him well yet. I need to follow you. I want our lives to resonate with God so clearly that other people, but they just can't help but recognize that there's something different. And I say I want because I know that's what God wants.
for us. The word follow is hugely important. Who are you following? The only person worthy of following ultimately is Jesus Christ. And we need to follow him with our whole being. But God does say this. He says it many times throughout scripture that we should be at a place in our life with him once we're surrendered to him and it doesn't matter the maturity we have but once we're in a relationship with him we could look to anyone else and say to them, invite them, follow me now as I follow Christ. I am so far from perfection, I am not claiming that at all, but as a, as a person who stumbles and falls, I can tell you I have a father who picks me up. And if you follow me, I hope you learn about confession, I hope you learn about repentance, I hope you learn about grace and mercy and joy and kindness and goodness. I hope you learn about it to the extent that I've understood it and experienced it with my Savior. Follow me as I follow Christ. I believe that's what being a disciple is all about. Scripture, I think, clearly says that. Follow me as I follow Christ. So I have some questions for you before I read a psalm to close our time together. How are you preparing to be ready to invite someone to follow you as you follow Christ? You already have people in your life that God's put there for that type of a conversation or just the reality that you're already that to them and you don't know it. You're not thinking about it, but they know that you're a Christian and they're looking at your life to get an understanding of who God is. And it's a beautiful thing. I want to read you one psalm, sort of as a benediction for today. It's a part of Psalm 119. I won't read the whole thing because it's a long psalm. <laughs> but it's verses 1 to 8. And, and I want you to consider this sort of as our, our benediction today. And, uh, and I know you're probably... Uh, sitting at home right now, but I'd ask that you stand with me as I read the word of God. And again, consider this our, our prayer together. Psalm 119, verses 1 to 8. You are blessed when you stay on course, walking steadily on the road revealed by God. You are blessed when you follow his directions, doing your best to find him. That's right. You don't go off on your own. You walk straight along the road he set. You, God, prescribed the right way to live. Now you expect us to live it. Oh, that my steps might be steady, keeping the course you set. That I'd never have any regrets in comparing my life with your counsel. I thank you for speaking straight from your heart. I learned the pattern of your righteous ways. I'm going to do what you tell me to do, God. Don't ever walk off and leave me. I am so God, glad that God promises that he will never leave us or forsake us. Throughout 2021, let's do our very best together to follow God and to invite others to follow us as we follow him. Amen.